Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. It's my honor this evening to present the nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role. Annette Bening. Nicole Kidman. Jennifer Lawrence. Natalie Portman. Michelle Williams. And the Oscar goes to Natalie Portman, Black Swan. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and today we're going to be talking about the 2011 ceremony win for Natalie Portman for Black Swan. I hadn't seen these movies since they actually came out, so I was very excited to see them. Our guest today uh, is the only female recipient to win the Best Comedy Album at the Junos for uh, her critically acclaimed album, uh, A Little Bit of Buttle. Uh, she also is the host of Obsessed, a podcast. Uh, Sophie Buttle. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you. You have a lovely voice, Kyle. Well, thank you. I've been working on it for years. Oh, it sounds really good. This is so fun. Yeah, I haven't, I hadn't seen any of these movies since they came out um, also. And I had only seen two of them, I think. So it was like, it was actually a pretty cool little exercise to like watch movies that I, I never would have picked normally. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the thing, right, about Oscar movies? Is there movies that you would never normally watch unless you had to? <laughs> oh my god, totally. Like I have I have theories about them. Let's uh, which, which one which one do you want to start with? Let's get into it. Well, even before we even do get into it, I do have one question about this. So as the only uh female winner of the Juno for Best Comedy Album, sure, sure. I have just I gotta know what what was it like winning and how does it feel to be the only female recipient? I'm 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 genuinely curious. I mean, it, the thing is, it sounds really good, and it's like it's really catchy. But the the Comedy Juno Awards have only been reinstated for three years, so there was it was like you know twenty years or thirty years or something before this. There were there were you know other stand up comedy Juno winners, but that was in a time when people still hated female comics, so there wasn't really a chance for any to win then. And then now it's like, I feel like pretty normal. Like, I feel like female comics <laughs> do quite well in the world, like at this point in time. <laughs> so I it's like, it felt it, good. It felt good, obviously. But it's like, it sounds more impressive, I think, than it is. No, I, I, I like, I know what you mean. And, and the thing is, is I, I don't mean to tokenize you. I just, I get tokenized all the time. And I kind oh, of I'm love sure. like offering because people always say to me, like when I, I think they mean it as a compliment, but they always go, you're so confident. Where does that come from? You're so confident. And you're like, you would never say that to a straight guy. You know what no, I mean? We're confident because we're good in bed. Like any straight yeah. man, we're all confident for the same reasons. Uh, but I okay, good. so it's like, it was annoying, obviously, that it was like, like COVID had just, just shut everything mm. down. So I... Um, they were still going to do the Juno Awards. I was in line to board the plane to go to the Junos, and I got a text oh. saying not to get on the plane because they were going to cancel the awards <laughs> for COVID. Like, it, like that's really oh. a good – it was actually a good marker for me to, like, see when everything really got shut down in Canada. Oh, 
my god that you know that really sucks because it's like a you know a bad breakup or something you plan like a long road trip and then they just break up with you right before your oh i'm sorry to hear that but i mean at least you fucking won (laughs) oh my god totally i just i didn't get to have my red carpet moment but that's okay oh i as a gay man i understand you were robbed i understand I, I even understand. Kind of lost like the pictures alone. Imagine if I had gotten my first Getty Images watermark. That's how I yeah. can't really tell that somebody's made it when they post on Instagram their first Getty image. That is so funny. Um, okay, so let's talk about. Okay, so the 2011 I could, awards. I could just Photoshop. Oh, yeah. I could just Photoshop a Getty image uh, logo on, but I just realized right now. But yeah, well, that's. Yeah. When you say Getty, I'm picturing like Ann Getty. I know what you're talking about when you're talking about the watermark, but I'm picturing like Ann Getty, like those baby pictures. <laughs> I know. I already when... have. I already have those. Those are my first headshots. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay. So the 2011 awards. So the best picture went to The King's Speech. The best actor went to Colin Firth. Best supporting actor went to Christian Bale for The Fighter. Best supporting actress went to Melissa Leo. And best director went to Tom Hooper for The King's Speech. And we were um, supposed to watch all those movies too, right? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I kept being like, yeah. so paranoid that I was watching the wrong movies. Honestly, I kept checking. <laughs> and then my boyfriend like checked you and he's like, I don't know, 2010, it says it's different names. And I was like, if I'm wrong about this, I'll be so mad at you. <laughs> we'll just do a different <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um. Okay, so, okay, fine. Let's just jump right into Jennifer Lawrence for Winter's Bone. So okay. if... Um, anybody listening has never seen the movie Winter's Bone. This was Jennifer Lawrence's like big like debut. And this yeah. w- movie was basically it takes place in the Ozark Mountains and it's a town that gets really methy really quickly. <laughs> it does. It gets so methy so quickly. So methy so quickly. And she has to find her father who she can't find. Everyone has a problem with him because he's he makes meth and he's also a dealer. He's obviously dead. And then she has to go and take his because then the, the sheriff comes by and is like, we're taking in your house and she's like no you ain't and then she's like well prove that he's dead so then she dredged and they keep calling the sheriff the law they're like the law came by which i love and yeah i feel like i feel like we can all relate to like we're all just looking for your dad and we're all mad like to me it's like i mean you're from ottawa too huh so we understand yeah that's right i forgot you're from ottawa yeah we're both from from hardcore white trash communities like not as as rural obviously as this film takes place but i did understand like you got to go to a couple different weird houses and be like do you know where my dad is okay do you know where my dad is like i think that's pretty universal (laughs) were you from south keys because i'm from orleans like like no that was not my situation okay that's so funny so i did actually live in orleans back when we used to call it horleans of course, um, we still do. Okay, <laughs> Orleans, yes. Oh, true, true. Yeah, so I only lived in Orleans um, for a period when my mom was married to a man, and we lived a very suburban life for a couple years, and we lived, like, mm. deep in the suburbs, had our little, we had a pool, we had, it was, we were living the high life, but my mom and I, yes, were from, we lived in Chinatown before that, to answer. Oh, wow. The white Somerset. trash question. All right. Yeah, Somerset <laughs> Bronson. It was real shady. Oh, that's great. Well, basically, okay, so fine. So then, like, you were at one point Jennifer Lawrence searching for uh, yes! her dad door to door. Door to door. And nobody, nobody cared. Nobody cared that he was missing. <laughs> that was the other day. I was screaming at this movie. I was like, why does nobody care that this man is missing? 
Yeah, well, he, so spoiler alert, she has to like drudge his body out of like a frozen river and then they have to use a <laughs> chainsaw to like hack him up to prove that he's dead. Yeah, it that's, is that's really the so fucked. <laughs> oh my God. Did that happen I... to you or? Well, <laughs> oh. yeah, that happened in the Ottawa River. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and it was like, it was, it was. I wasn't really sh- I thought it was going to be slow and it started out and I don't usually like movies in this sort of setting like like it uh-huh. felt it felt quite low budget it's just of like course. kind of white yeah. trash I honestly felt like it was kind of the token white trash movie like I thought that they right. were kind of like using that as like okay we'll have one movie for middle America in the Oscars right. like it felt <laughs> it felt like an obligation almost and then it, when it got to that point where she had to chainsaw off her dead, wet father's hands, I was like, <laughs> okay, I, I, do, I, do, I do now feel the impact of this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fucked up. And no, you're right. Everybody looks like they got ready at a gas station for sure. <laughs> Although what I love, you'll love this because I know that you like Schitt's Creek. Literally, this is one of the facts of the movie. So originally, Jennifer Lawrence was turned down for the movie because apparently she's too pretty. <laughs> That actually makes a lot of sense because she does look a bit like too clean. Like she does seem out of place. And like I watched this movie with my boyfriend and he said, we neither of us knew that this was like her big first movie. Like we just know Jennifer, we fucking, we know her as Mystique in X-Men, you know, like we know her while she's doing well. Hunger Games. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I love Silver Linings Playbook as well. But so I, I really like her. And so immediately we both were like, I don't think she can pull off like poor dirty girl, but she really did. And it actually really makes sense why she got this nomination because she, she totally was this girl. And I wasn't, I wasn't really sure how to critique acting. I've never thought about that before. I've always been a little bit of a judgeroo about actors in general, because it's like, I really respect writing and directing and all these other things. And then I always kind of feel like actors, they just kind of pick whoever looks the best on camera and doesn't seem that, um, like nothing sticks out as that um, out of place. Right. And I thought that she was really in a position where her whole thing might might be out of place because of how she looks and because she does seem like she had sort of a stable home growing up. And this is the first time I've really been like, oh, like she is a good actress. <laughs> The thing is, is she went really commercial, you know, after the Hunger Games and Silver Linings and all that. And like Joy, I guess, was kind of one of them. I hated American Hustle. And then she made the movie <laughs> yeah. Mother. She had a lot of really weird moments. But specifically when I saw her in this, it was a less, uh, way less glamorized sort of version of Jennifer Lawrence that you never really see. Yeah. And I thought she did a really, really good job. If I'm honest with you, I actually kind of miss this version of her career i actually kind of like this like really pulled back like really kind of dirty she even showed up for the audition with um 10 day old hair she did that on purpose so that she could get the role because she was like i'm gonna dial it back and i'm really gonna get gross for this and she really got gross for it like i mean um that's that's another testament oh yeah please well no i was gonna say the only thing that was a little insulting is apparently all the locals were like locals like they weren't actors like they were locals what that's i mean that makes sense i saw a couple wonky eyes in there <laughs> you know, yeah, a, one wandering eye kind of yeah well yeah but that's kind of situation it's, it's such a testament to how beautiful she just naturally is that she showed up with 10 day dirty hair because like if i showed up to an audition even for a role like this with 10 day dirty hair they would still be like 
too gross. Like they'd be like too yeah. gross even <laughs> for this film. <laughs> she had to learn how to she literally learned how to skin squirrels chop wood and fight for this movie let's just go back to the skinning squirrels like the squirrel thing was graphic i know could we just do like a fake little squirrel like do we need to do that like that like i'm not a vegetarian but like i'm kind of like a semi-vegetarian like i'm almost there but i'm not quite there yeah like it just oh i did look this up though so apparently uh, squirrel meat because I looked this up squirrel meat is very common in the south uh, which shocker uh, yep. it's called it's squirrel in squirrel stew and yep. apparently it is described as sweeter than rabbit meat well so. that's not really saying much though is it like I don't think of rabbit meat and being like mm, is this candy like yeah, right. <laughs> like I think yeah, a lot of things are probably sweeter than rabbit meat I do I do think that her best sort of moment though I'm going to agree with you was whenever she was like holding on to the corpse of her father and like you're like oh my god this scene is so fucked up. Yeah, she acted or, the fuck out of that scene. Yeah, or like whenever she was like in the forest begging her mom for help and she, Jennifer Lawrence was kind of like she was like her mom was like just it was like working off of a corpse like she didn't have any expression she literally wasn't speaking she literally Mom's just like stared at her in a awake coma yeah i don't know what they didn't really get into that but they were just kind of like she's seen some shit and they're like okay yeah they could just uh, called her crazy they were like well mom's crazy and then we're all supposed to be like right she's come down with crazy because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that old thing um <laughs> But uh, definitely, I would say that I really enjoy uh, John Hawks, the uh, what the hell was his name? It was something weird. I can't. Oh, Tirai or was it? I can't remember. He had teardrop. Teardrop. Yeah. Teardrop. And then was his name? Her dad. Yeah. Right. And I I, I just. okay. so this is definitely uh, a role that you're not used to seeing Jennifer Lawrence in. This was her screen debut. I think Julianne Moore was hoping for an Academy Award nomination for The Kids Are All Right. And then Jennifer Lawrence kind of got in. And this was really her star-making vehicle. I love a lot of Jennifer Lawrence movies. And I really love Jennifer Lawrence. But I would love if she came back to roles like this. Because I like the grittiness and the grossness of it. And it was kind of a different side of her that I'm not used to seeing, really. Yeah, it was cool to just see her in something indie. Like, I really had only ever seen her in giant blockbuster, huge paycheck roles. And I find those honestly less impressive. Like, I'm sure it's harder to get into a circle where you're considered for those roles. But I think they're mm. not maybe as hard to act. Like, it, this this movie really explains to me how she moved up so quickly in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Because there wasn't really much going on in the movie, but she carried the picture. She you was know? captivating. Like, I really thought yeah. I was going to be bored during this movie. And she held my attention the whole time and I drift I drift like on my phone usually during movies. Me too. Me too. but this one I really truly watched the whole thing and I was interested I was like where the fuck is this girl's dad <laughs> um okay well unless you have anything else that you would like to add we can move on to our next nominee um let me see I took a couple notes um oh I mean I I all the only other thing I wanted to say was that it was like it was also cool to see her in no makeup but I guess she, you know yes. she's 17 it's an indie movie like it's not that impressive, and I, and when I wrote that, I also did not realize it was her first movie, but it's still just nice to see. Yeah, yeah, okay, great, love it, love it, love it, love it. Oh, also, uh, if you guys ever drive up to someone's property and there's crap all over the yard and you see, like, a big blue tarp, just 
run. <laughs> just Yeah, run. don't. Oh, yeah, that's one other thing is, like, every time they would go up to each other's houses, they would say, are you going to invite me in? Like, vampire-y? Like, like yeah, in, their, right. <laughs> in their circles, like, you have to be invited into the house. It was just a really interesting movie. And I also, I usually don't like, um, what, like, accents. Like, not like when other people mm-hmm. have accents, but I don't usually like movies that are just all about a specific accent. But I thought that <laughs> she did she did such a good job in this one, too. Accent oh, I'm watching. I'm watching Downton Abbey right now, and everything is like absolutely like I can't <laughs> stop talking. It's uh, my boyfriend hates me. Um, okay, so let's talk about Michelle Williams in Blue Valentine. Yeah. So this is a very dark episode of Dar- of Dawson's Creek uh, for anybody. <laughs> oh yeah, Blue Valentine will really rip your heart out. I w- I watched Blue Valentine with my Oof. boyfriend and. He- you know my boyfriend, he's very positive, pure individual. Mace. Yes, he's an angel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I told him he was going to love this movie because I watched it when I was in high school and I loved it. I think I had it on DVD. Um, but I really remembered it differently. Like in high school, I remember watching it and being like, this is what love is. Right. <laughs> you don't know. That's like not what it's about. <laughs> oh God. No, no, no. Because by the first sort of like hint that, you know, that shit's about to get real is when the mom in like the opening breakfast scene is wearing scrubs. You know ooh, what I mean? Like when she has the scrubs, you're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shit's about to get real. <laughs> like, totally. And then also when the, I mean, I'm telling, I'm really, uh, putting my family on blast this whole episode episode but when um ryan gosling is like the older dad and he gets all mad and a car drives by too fast and he like whips his cigarette at it and he's like asshole i'm like oh my god why are dads always trying to fight moving cars (laughs) (laughs) but then i'm thinking perhaps not not all that hashtag not all dads (laughs) well this is just sort of another example of ryan gosling in a very toxic abusive love story where it's like (laughs) You know what I mean? Where it's just sort of like, it's not hot if he, like, for example, in the notebook, he's like dangling off of a Ferris wheel and he's like, go on a date with me. Where like in this, he like dangles off of a fence, off of a bridge. And he's like, tell me what your secret is. Like he, I know. um, I guess threatens suicide a lot to get what he wants from women. He which does, which, which we know now is you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in 2010, people, people hadn't heard yet. <laughs> So so anybody who hasn't seen this movie, Blue Valentine is basically just the story, the beginning and the end of a um, couple. It's a very toxic sort of relationship the whole time. They have a kid together. You don't know if Ryan Gosling is the father. You never find out. It's and pretty clear then, that he's not, though. Like, you can, it's fair to assume that he's not. I guess that whenever he was like, oh, like, I ran into so-and-so and so-and-so was the guy that, like, came inside of her and didn't tell her there was a lot of donald duck sex going on in this do you know what i'm talking about where you wear a shirt with no bottoms is there any other kind of sex i mean (laughs) it's the donald duck in it i mean whatever i'm into it but i'm just saying like that's your donald duck in it there was a lot of donald duck sex going on in this there Um, was a lot of just weird sex in this like (laughs) like really early on um also by the way the guy that came inside of her without permission's name was bobby ontario which is just perfect it's chef's kiss like to me that was like like, we can talk about good casting all day long, but the Oscar for best name for a character goes to Bobby Ontario <laughs> for coming in Michelle Williams without her permission. And, yeah, so he does that <laughs> pretty early on in the movie. And I was like, oh, okay, didn't remember this as part of it, but fine. And then there's later, there's the weird sex part where it's like them, um, when their relationship's falling apart, 
in the in the future room of the cheesy yes. sex hotel and then he's yeah. like i don't i don't he's like i'm not like she she's kind of trying to make him like just really go for it sex wise and he's like i don't really want it like this like i, I don't want to like rape you and then she's like kind of trying to get him to and then he's like i can't do right. it like this and then she goes and locks herself in the bathroom <laughs> so that's not really uh, how you fact. want it yeah <laughs> well no fun fact they were actually fucking yeah, it, that's what made this movie so controversial is that um they were actually um having <laughs> they were having sex in it, that scene. What? Yeah. Uh that and also if you've ever seen Monsters Ball with Halle Berry, she has sex with Billy Bob as well. Yeah. I mean, what that'd yeah. be a treat though. Like this was crazy. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, uh, <laughs> no, like my parents love me. Like no thank you Billy Bob. No oh, thank oh. you. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine to each to each their own um amount of love from their parents. <laughs> But, but yeah, so they, that's crazy. Well, I had no idea. Well, they actually, so to get into character, so Michelle Williams and um, Ryan Gosling actually lived in a house together for 30 days and uh, with a $200 budget for food every two weeks, which apparently was supposed to be a bad thing. And I'm like, that's normal, right? Like, that's a normal oh amount God. of Canadian money. Canadian stand-up comics are like, oh, I should get into acting if there's really got budgets like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's a so really interesting direct- exercise. It honestly makes sense though, because their their chemistry was really palpable, and that's like that's why the movie was so good. Like they they clearly played off each other really well. Well, you know, the one thing that I find very triggering about this kind of movie is when I was at that age, um, I was tw- I was twenty, I was twenty uh, or twenty one, <laughs> and when I watched this movie, I was in a relationship that was so toxic. We mm. broke up five times and got back together five yeah. times or yeah. four times, or whatever. We all did that at is. twenty. I think twenty is the, that's the year that everyone does that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the time. Like that's, that's that season's must have. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's when you. That's when you have your your trauma boyfriend for everybody absolutely and so this movie was very triggering for me at the time and i remember i i hated both of them in this movie now that i kind of see it and i've grown a bit as a person and i see like where they're at now and where i'm at as a person i'm kind of like yeah like i can get into this story i get it but all of this to say michelle williams was was really brilliant in this movie she was she was awesome she was really good yeah i think that she was awesome and and when i when i was in my trauma relationship at that same time I was actually the one that always used to threaten suicide, but it was playful when I did it. When I did it, I just feel like it was like not gaslighting. Like for me personally, my experience was just that like I at that time did not know how to express my feelings. So instead of saying like, I'm upset, like you've done this thing and now I feel upset from it, I would just be like, well, I'm going to kill myself because then they could infer that I was right. upset and then now I know now I'm more mature now I just say that I'm upset and then you're able to escalate from there if you need to but you start at just some um, regular style right. <laughs> well <laughs> you know over I mean certainly there's a dark reality to this that feels familiar that you're like okay um but yeah. there is definitely you know the thing about Michelle in this movie though it's like I'm not really sure if it was necessarily one scene in particular that was kind of her Oscar moment I think that from the past scenes when they were younger and the future scenes whenever it kind of begins to you know wind down and they break up I think it's like a combination of everything and all of the emotions that they went to that made everything feel um very very real if I had to pick one scene that I thought was probably 
her strongest or the strongest was when they were at her office fighting and then yes. he like punches yes. out the the doctor. I yes. think that was kind of the climax and I think maybe that would have been the Oscar scene but overall I think it was an like a bunch of scenes throughout the movie combined that kind of led to the nomination because it was very dark but it was very real. There was a lot of tasteful artistic nudity and uh, it wasn't trashy. And I, I, yeah. I thought it was really tastefully done. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I always feel like the, the marriage fight scene in the movie is really when they like do their acting in quotes, you know, like, you, you know, that like they see that fight scene and they're like, whoa, this is really what I'm going to be acting. Like, I love like, like their, their marriage story moment. Like, you know, when, what, what's his face punches the wall like you really know that this for actors they see a, a marriage fight and they're like this is my time to shine and right. <laughs> they had quite a few fights in this movie so that i'm sure as actors that was very stimulating for them but i think because of my judgmentalness of actors whenever right. <laughs> the like big scene is just a marriage fight i'm just kind of like like it to me it, it not not like an acting class but it, to me it feels very much like um actors, you're aware that you're watching actors, actors smelling their own farts yeah right. yeah like yeah. I always in my head when I see a marriage fight in a movie I'm like oh this was they loved this they you know they highlight <laughs> I totally know what you mean and they write next to it like like they'd write the emotion next to each line and then there's always one part where they're like okay then now I'm gonna be calm and then you should never watch. Yeah, you should never watch a Marriage Story then with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Adam I Driver. Can't, I can't. I, like, Don't just, watch that. Just having that fight scene shared around, I was like, "Oh my god, we get it. You're actors. You love to have a marriage <laughs> fight." <laughs> well, in a Marriage Story, they actually play actors that work off Broadway, so that would be a nightmare movie for you. Just never watch that <laughs> ever, oh, yeah. ever, if, ever. If I need to like hate watch something, I'll know to go there. Oh my god. Um, so if anything, Michelle Williams deserved that Oscar for resisting uh Ryan Gosling naked in the shower whenever he was like coming at her and she was like, No, I'd be like, oh How god. where do you want like just enter? Like where do you <laughs> That's like so where do you <laughs> Well he's just like he's just like has such this like quiet sweetness to him while also being toxic. And I think that like all of the biggest um like all of the most soft-spoken American A-list celebrities are just Canadian. Like, I feel like oh our, God. as a country, like, our most aggressive, ambitious, like, top-of-their-game actors are just, like, the sweetest, softest, shyest Americans once they get there. True. Maybe, maybe Pamela Anderson's kind of obnoxious, but... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, true. But I feel like I feel like both of the Ryans and Rachel McAdams and Seth Rogen are all kind of these like in America these like soft sweeties, and then for Canadians like overly ambitious and aggressive. <laughs> very true. Uh, that is very very true. Um, so director Derek, I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. Cian France. Cian France. I'm <laughs> definitely butchering that. I'm sorry. Uh, Derek Cian France uh, actually gave instructions to Michelle Williams and to Ryan Gosling um, during every single fight scene to have sort of like a little bit of a tug of war. So it was like he would tell Michelle like get up and walk away in the middle of the of the line and then when um he would do, whenever she was instructed to do that it's like he would um then tell ryan gosling like if she does anything to like try to make it stop like you need to like reel her in and try to get her back and to mm. get her to sit back down so he was like giving them separate sort of um instructions so actually a lot of the fight scenes were was improv so when he was dangling off of the bridge that was improv 
which is Whoa. troubling because that kind of seems to be his go-to. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, we've all been there, but that's really interesting. That actually <laughs> makes me like these fight scenes more knowing that because that's like really both of their tactics. Like those are both of yeah. their real instincts. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Ontario was also a babe too. I mean, gross, like in the movie as a character, but like sexy as an actor. Oh, oh yeah, um, totally. In a, in a, in an Ontario kind of way. Um, but it actually, absolutely. <laughs> it was actually really interesting because she, um, you know, runs into him in the liquor store many years later and he says, you know, the whole, you look great. Are you married? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, are you faithful to your husband? And then when you first hear it, you kind of think that he's just, just being flirty or like kind of flirty in an over the line way. And then mm-hmm. much later, you kind of realize there was some crossover with her dating Bobby Ontario and Ryan Gosling. And you're like, oh, he's being a little fucker by bringing that up. Right. And then whenever like she was like, oh, you know who I ran into? And then he's like, why the fuck would you bring that up? Like, what the fuck? And I yeah. originally because you don't understand if I was like, wow, are men's egos that fragile? that yeah. like they can't even. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> that was, that's such a good point because he does totally flip out in the car and you're like, oh, my God, Ryan Gosling needs, needs to relax. Like you're Ryan Gosling, like Bobby Ontario's got nothing on you. And then she's like, yeah, yeah. but he's like, he's like really fat now. And he's not. So you're like, why did she lie? Like, the whole thing is so weird. And then it really, by the end of the movie, you really understand the dynamic better. Yeah. I think she was so good in this movie. And I always love seeing sort of Michelle Williams do these, like, very dark sort of real. Like, when she was in Brokeback, like, she was a very mm-hmm. dark, real character. And um, the last she's Walt always too. getting railed from behind, though, in these movies. Oh, my God. The poor girl. She loves- and... Uh, <laughs> Just the poor girl. Every in all these movies, I swear to God. Oh, she doesn't. She want was. It. She. She doesn't. She's just. She, she. She's a missionary kind of girl, and you can tell. And there's no. There's nothing wrong with that, Michelle Williams. You can just. You can sense it. And I think that's what she deserves. She should just have kind. Of, remember when she was dating Jason Siegel in real life? No. What? Okay. So yeah. So she dated Jason Siegel after um, Heath Ledger died, and you could just tell that they had the most tender, sensitive missionary sex, and it was beautiful. Wait, I am thinking Jason Statham, which is generous, but Jason Siegel, like from like How I Met Your Mother. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> Why? I know, but it's because it's tender. It's because they were tender lovers. I don't know, like Jason Steele, he's so charming, he's so funny, and this is going to be so mean, but he definitely looks like he lives in, like, a church clock tower, and he rings the fucking bell, like, I'm sorry. Oh, Quasimodo, not a cute girl. That's the thing, that's how we can tell, that she just wants, like, a tender, sweet, because he, he, you know, because he actually, did you ever say I love you, man? Or not I love you, man, um, forgetting Sarah Marshall? No, but I know that you see his dick at one point. You do see his dick right at the beginning, which is fun. But he it's all about this guy that's like so sensitive after he gets dumped. And he wrote that movie and starred in it. So you can really tell who he is, I think. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on? No, I'm glad that we've just established like what Michelle Williams' <laughs> fuck style is. And I think that's like a really great exercise to just, you know, project onto people. I think anybody listening to this, if you really want to get into the movie, do some Donald ducking fucking and <laughs> just get into character. Enjoy. Yeah. Just get into character. Enjoy. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about okay, but just as a preface before I bring this up, and I said this to Sophie before we started recording, I needed a Zoloft prescription after seeing these movies because yeah. this next movie we're gonna talk about Rabbit Hole. 
uh, with Nicole Kidman, which aye, very quickly aye, to aye. I know, just very quickly to summarize is the story about a married couple that lost their four year old son and they've been grieving for eight months and how they're dealing with it. So just, oh. like a, just like a fun, feel-good flick. Just like good time. It's, it's a Disney movie, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it made, it oh. was like, I felt like shit the whole, that whole movie. And honestly, like, I, I didn't, I hadn't um, heard of this movie. I love Nicole Kidman. I, she's one of my favorite actresses in the world. And so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, saw that she was the one nominated when I was like scanning which year we should do. And I was like, oh, great. New Nicole Kidman movie I haven't seen. And then it's like, oh, well, this is why I haven't seen it because it's about a right. dead <laughs> child and Nicole yeah. Kidman just flipping out about it. And yeah. it was great, though. Like I it was like it was so dark. And this is one of the ones that I, pro- that I really never would have watched because like if I had seen mm-hmm what it was about I would just be like oh, I'm just gonna go ahead and skip this one because why would you I'm someone that like I listen to pop music like I like to consume things that make me feel good <laughs> so this is really just not something I'm drawn to usually right I completely understand and the thing about um this kind of movie is I had to pause this movie I think like 400 times because I needed to do it like in like bursts and then I was like okay like go do the dishes or something or okay like like walk and like like do some laundry like I just it was a little too intense for me because I was like a little hungover when I was watching it and I just was like a little emotional and I just was like this is like way too much for me right now like whenever she's like okay the only thing okay everything about this performance I have to give to Nicole Kidman was kind of flawless but the one thing that I just find so overdone that needs to stop in movies is every single time there's a scene in a tv show or a movie where they're in group therapy the actor in question always has to be so resistant to the process they're always like i don't even want to be here and they're like nicole we're all here to help and she's like hi my name is nicole and everyone's like hi nicole and she's like and this is stupid and it's like oh my god could we just what would be groundbreaking is if you had one group therapy scene in a movie or an AA meeting or something and they were like yeah I would love to do it it would be like wow <laughs> give them an Oscar for writing because this is groundbreaking no that is that is such an incredible point and it, it is so like also not even that in character like she is very she's not adverse to conflict at all this character but it is mm-hmm. even it's so it's so impolite and like it's so non-empathetic to other people's journeys for lack of a better word and like it made sense kind of when her mom was was being annoying about it like to kind of bark at your mom for pushing your buttons and triggering you but in group therapy when other people are going through the same thing that you went through like you really do think that like that that scene did stick out to me as well as being annoying however the way I've justified it because I have thought about that scene specifically and I've been trying to study screenwriting for movies that's kind of what I've done this year because you can't really do mm-hmm. stand-up and mm-hmm. one of the best pieces of advice I saw was there's this list of qualities your your hero or your main character is supposed to have. And it works for anti-heroes. It works for, you know, tragic heroes. It, it, it works for uh, basically any good movie's main character has these qualities. And one of them is they have to be obsessed. And whatever it is their thing that they're obsessed with is they have to be, you know, obsessed with it. And I think she right. was obsessed with being in denial about experiencing right. grief. And I think that that group scene really showed her obsession with being in denial because she did not want mm-hmm. to be in this room with other people talking about it and other people processing it, even if it's not in the way that she would process it. 
I think mm-hmm. I think it was a great example of her being obsessed with being in denial. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the that's just it. I mean, it, it I completely uh, agree with that, and that is very true. And also, too, like she doesn't want to. Um, she kind of wants to sit in her misery because I think a part of her character sort of blames herself for what happened. And whether that's communicated or not, she is miserable and she wants to stay miserable because if she wanted to make any sort of change. Also, I think that she thinks that if she moves on, she's like letting go of her son or something or or forgetting her son or something and like leaving him behind. And the thing about these kinds of things. So this um, play or this was actually based on a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, play called Rabbit Hole by David Lindsay Albert. Let's say Albert again. I'm pronouncing that wrong. I apologize. And in 2006, this is so random, Cynthia Nixon actually won the Tony Award for Best Lead Actress for uh, playing oh, this character. And Nicole Kidman heard about this and she was so adamant about getting this movie made. And she... um. Uh, it took her four four and a half years uh, to put the film plan together, but she was very uh, d- determined to get this movie happening. Um, I have seen this movie before. I did not want to rewatch it because it's <laughs> so intense and so heavy. Yes, and I think that that is actually a huge compliment to Nicole Kidman because it seems very real. It feels and so real. Because you're suffering with her the whole movie. Yes. So it's not a movie that you're like, hey, you know what I'm in the mood for? Like you just, it's not that kind of film. It's definitely kind of going back to what you said before about, you know, two actors like having a fight and they're like a married couple and stuff like that. I think that there's this part of actors that they see these like horribly traumatic, like, oh my God, like this is the worst thing ever. How can I cry for an hour and a half on film? I think I think that that's maybe how she kind of approached this a little yes. bit because that's all it was. She was just crying for an hour and a half. It was a very Cry- heavy film. Yeah, crying in different ways, crying, you know, in a fight, crying on her own, crying quietly on a park bench. Like she, she was crying so many different kinds of cries. And, you know, as someone who... Yes was married to Tom Cruise. Like she obviously has experienced trauma and that's why I think she's such an effective actress. Like she really knows how to channel unpleasant feelings, but Mm. I did, you know, finish watching this movie feeling good, perhaps relief that it was over, but they did really make a nice relationship between her and what's his name? Miles Teller, the the boy that accidentally killed the son, but that's Mm -hmm. what, that's really what the hook is in this movie is that she kind of, you know, creates this weird friendship relationship with the boy who accidentally run over, ran over her son. And I mm-hmm. love their dynamic. Like, the, like weirdly, the only time I cried the whole movie is when she was talking to him on the park bench. I think the second time they hung out and he was like, I just really wanted to tell you that I think I, I might've been going too fast that day. Like it was, it was a 30 zone and I might have been going 31 or 32. And right. she was like, she was like, okay, thank you for telling me. And it was just like, he's just, he was just so, so cute and so real as well. Like I thought that the way, because mm-hmm. he really could have overacted the fuck out of that role. And he didn't. Like mm-hmm. he, I think he was subtle in a really effective way. There was one, okay, this is a personal this is a personal choice. And I think that when something like this happens to a loved one, you do eventually have to forgive the person that did this thing. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I'm a bitter bitch. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I yeah. don't think I could really ever, I would say that I've forgiven the person, but I don't forgive them. I think I accept it. I don't think I could ever forgive someone for act, even if it was just an accident, killing someone that I love or care for, or, yeah. I mean, I don't have a child, but I'm just saying like, if, if I had a child and they die, I don't think I would ever be able to forgive them. I understand that's part of the healing process. And, and, you know, you don't ever really see them get over it. You kind of just see them on their way out of it and, and, and kind of moving on and, and, and they're moving in that direction. But the whole movie is just one really heavy, sad, like you're just sitting in it with them. And I think for me, the line that I was like, woof, was when they're at the bowling alley. And she's fighting with Diane Weist, who is her mother. And then she also lost her son. And then she's like, I resent you comparing you uh, talking about your 30-year-old heroin addicted son to my four-year-old dying. And then she's like, he's still my son. And then you're just like, oh, my God. And like, yeah. although for some reason, I feel like that kind of a fight is appropriate for a bowling alley. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to yeah, have that a, fight. Yeah, that is, there's a time and place. And that was the time and place. Yeah, I mean, actually, I paused at that part to talk about that because to me, that was such a perfect example of um, something you would get pissed at your mom for. It was exactly, it was exactly the correct trigger to write because it is, it is not a sincere comforting coming from the mother. Like, like I think making that comparison is comforting for the mother to say. And kind of mm-hmm. justifying her own grieving or what, whatever. But it, that's, no, of course, not comforting to hear as someone who freshly lost their child. Like, it is not right. the same. And it, it does feel um, kind of selfish of the mother to lump them in together. And I think as, you know, that mother's child, you wouldn't flip out on them. And maybe later after years, like, you would feel sort of bad and, like, whatever, let her have her you know, whatever connection she feels like we have, but definitely mm-hmm. the beginning. Like, I think I, I would get, I would snap at my mom for sure too. <laughs> do, do you remember when Nicole Kidman just like takes out a woman in the grocery store, just like backhands her? Oh, I could watch Nicole so Kidman funny. slapping people in public <laughs> all day. Just make a movie of that. I'll watch an hour and a half of that. that oh would my be... God, you're so right. That was like the one second of comedic relief <laughs> that we finally deserved. It was her like, woman know. in the grocery store. Yeah, that's such um, a good point. I think that her Oscar moment was whenever she accidentally deletes the video on her husband's phone of like his favorite video of the sun and they just have it out in the living room. I think that was kind of the Oscar moment because it was the climax of their, mm-hmm. you know what, fine, I'm going to go fucking cheat on you then. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I mean, that was their, you. that was their marriage fight. And yeah. and that was their big right, yes, moment. Yes. And like that one more so even than the other movies, I really felt like, wow, they they knew this was their chance to act the fuck out of a scene. Like yeah. there was there he had that he totally had that one moment where he's like, and then I'm gonna do a switch and then I'm gonna be weirdly calm and peaceful and walk <laughs> away. And like and I thought it was great. I thought they both did a really good job. And I think that they both um, you know, that's probably the scene that they did in their audition. I mean, she produced it or something, but 
Like that, Probably. that scene was totally like, you know, acting classes around the world are doing that scene. Right. <laughs> um, I'm going to do a scene from Rabbit Hole. Everyone's like, oh. Um, okay, if you have anything else that you would like to add, we can move on. No, I'm good. To, I'm good to move on. I like that. I liked his um, his comic book he made, but that's not really that's nothing. Very well illustrated. Yeah, that took. I I, I used to be a professional illustrator, and I'll tell you, uh, comic books are insane. Yeah, that Did was you? what I used to do before. Com- yeah. Oh my god! I used you to should talk to for- Mace. He's trying to do that. Oh my god, really? Yeah, no, I have a BAA in um, applied arts from Sheridan. I did I did a degree in illustration. I <gasps> regret it. That's amazing. Um, That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I used to do things for like the National Post, the Globe and Mail, a lot of food with my magazines. I wow. was my, Yeah, I have get, send it tell me to send tell him to send uh, me a message. I have I'll send you a link to my artwork. It's it's yeah, I I hated it, but uh, just because, believe it or not, yeah, it pays less than that. comedy. <laughs> yeah, if you can believe it. Um, wow. But yeah, it, my niche was food and wine magazines. Drew a lot of grapes, uh, a lot of <laughs> wine bottles, and a lot of sheep, actually. A lot of sheep. Oh, I guess for like goat, goat cheese, or not goat cheese, sheep I cheese, know. I suppose. <laughs> it was just... What I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, so let's talk about The Kids Are All Right, Annette Benning. Yeah. So... I saved this one for last as a palate cleanser because Black Thank Swan you. was also really intense. Yeah. And this was my palate cleanser. And um, I mean, like in the order of the movies that I watched them in. This was this was I watched this one last because I was like, I need like a happy movie. Yes. And OK, first of all, uh, if anybody doesn't know what this is about, it's about a uh, lesbian couple that has two kids. They had a sperm donor when the kid turns 18, reaches out to the sperm donor, and then wackiness ensues. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally, that's totally exactly right. And this movie was a lot of fun. I actually kept a list of words and phrases from this movie that I really enjoyed. Yes. Um, yes. so the first one is fair enough, Harry Muff. One of the friends said that to yes. the girls and my boyfriend and I have been saying it to each other. Um, another word is fecund, F-E-C-U-N-D. Don't remember what it means, but I thought it was an interesting word. Oh, for the, the crops, right? Whenever the soil is fertile. Oh, okay. So maybe it's, maybe it's just a gay word that I haven't come across. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> like a gardening thing. I don't know. <laughs> it was a gay word actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the movie itself was very gay and in, in a very good way. Oh, oh, okay. So that's another thing that the, the doctor mom said. Um, and honestly, I feel like Michelle Williams is going to um, use this phrase once she listens to your podcast is I need your observations. <laughs> like, I need a dick in my ass. <laughs> That's right. That was my favorite. Yes. He's like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing, well, the other, the last one is um, is just calling someone choach. Like, don't be a choach. <laughs> isn't that the space between your balls and your dick? Is it? Or is that a chode? I think a chode is a dick that's... Um, like really short and girthy, if I'm not mistaken. We need to. We need somebody on this. Somebody send me pictures. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, talking about Annette Bening. So first of all, she fucking nailed it. Um, and yeah. I gotta say, as a person that watches a lot of gay movies, I have to be honest with you. Yeah. Every single time that they have a gay movie, it's always a straight person playing it, and oftentimes it's a straight person's impression 
But this was not the case. I could watch Annette Benning playing a lesbian all the I know so many lesbians in their like middle age that are exactly like her. She fucking nailed it. I thought she I was a lesbian. Her. I don't I hadn't I seen her know. I hadn't seen her in many other things. Like I I'm it's possible the only other thing I've seen her in was the movie The Women. I don't know if you saw that. Um oh God, what a horrible first impression of Annette well, thing. I, American I Beauty. Oh, oh um, I haven't seen American Beauty. I didn't I didn't remember that she was in that. But I, I truly watched this and was like I in my head thought I was like, Oh, it's nice that they cast a lesbian to play this. And I, I liked their little discourse too about how yeah. how this lesbian couple loves to watch gay porn and the son weirdly asks, like, wouldn't you rather watch two <laughs> women? And they say, Well, they usually and it was interesting to have Julianne Moore saying it, but she's like, usually, you know, they cast straight women and it's just really inauthentic. And it's like, okay, Julianne right. Moore, go home to your husband and practice that line a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it is true, though. So that, that is a common thing that I learned when I was, like, in my, like, mid-20s when I found out that a lot of lesbian couples, their thing is to watch lesbian porn. And I remember the first time I heard that, it was just, like, equations in front of my face. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, like they, they like what? watching, like, gay porn? Yeah, it's very, it's extremely common. Yeah, lesbians because apparently it's like um it's more of an intimacy thing because uh, yeah apparently like a lot of like straight like when you watch like lesbian porn it is like f- for the eyes of like a straight man kind of sure. thing so yeah. like it's very fake where I guess gay porn is a little bit more intimate. Honestly, I'm maybe not the expert on this, but that's how it was explained to me. Okay, cool. But it's a very common thing. Yeah, I when I think of this movie, I always think about that. I always think about lesbians watch gay porn. The kids are all right. It's, <laughs> it's one in. But listen, if you've never seen an Annette Bening movie, watch Being Julia. It's on like okay. CBC Gem. It's free to watch. It is so funny it is incredible it's really really good well yeah and the thing that i really loved the most about this movie writing wise was they really they created these great characters at the beginning the kind of like hippy dippy free spirit soft mom and then the the you know more rigid work obsessed control freak mom and at first you're Mm -hmm. like the control freak mom needs to relax like she's being too much And, you right. know, Ju- Julianne Moore's her little angel with her bare feet on the table. Like, that's how you feel at the beginning. And throughout mm. the movie, they really switch it around. Like, at the beginning, you're mm. all, it, it, I mean, at least for me, you're really like, okay, the, the control freak mom needs to relax. And then you kind of see what's wrong with the too much of freewheeling hippie mom. Like, she obviously ends up cheating on the other mom and then... And then by the end of it, you you really see the the flaws and the good things of each archetype. Yeah. Side note: Remember when Julianne Moore was just like so racist and hostile to that gardener? Why did she? Well, she was so mean to Louise and Mason. Yes. Were watching it, and we, Louise had a very positive spirit. He just loves flowers. <laughs> Like, he just was doing this job. <laughs> Julianne Moore's going getting her dick sucked inside. And he's doing all the work. And he doesn't mind. He doesn't even complain. Right. And he has a smile on his face. Like, what the fuck are you smiling about? I know. She um, She would really became the villain pretty quickly. I also did write down, by the way, in quotes, I need your observations like I need a dick in my ass because I think that was my favorite line, too. I just noticed that. That's funny. Um, I think that what I like about Annette Bening in this movie is she does play that protective mama bear kind of character. And I think my favorite was whenever they meet um, uh, 
uh, oh my gosh, why am I totally blanking on his name? Um, ah, what is his name? The Mark supporting Ruffalo? it's a, Mark Ruffalo. Oh my god, yeah. I was about to say Paul Rudd. Okay, Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. Um, and she kind of is like asking him for the first time. She's like, oh, so I noticed whenever I was reading your file, uh, you know, that you were interested in doing like international relations. Um, and then he's like, oh yeah, I, I, I dropped out of school. She's like, oh, and she's like, yeah, like it just kind of wasn't really my thing, you know? And then, uh, I don't know, I don't really care for like higher education for me. It just doesn't really work. And, you know, I, I opened my own business and I'm very successful. I'm very happy with that. But I just, I just kind of thought that if I needed to learn all that stuff, I could just read it in a book. And Annette Benning is like horrified. And I just oh, loved totally, that moment. <laughs> totally. No, that was such a funny moment. Like, and it, it's totally off. Like she's a doctor. Like she's all about yeah. education and learning. And yeah, it was, it was, that's a beautiful, like getting off on the wrong foot immediately. Right. Um, yes. And then just only and she because. she was just drunk all the time. Oh, and she was, yeah, obviously had a drinking problem as well. I but love that. I, I love, love that, that too. I love a, I love a casual, I love a wine drinking problem. I feel like in movies, it's always like the <laughs> bottle of vodka, but for, not for, not for Dr. Mom, she just loves that no. expensive red wine a little too much. But just, just because, um. It's funny when you thought uh, Mark Ruffalo was Paul Rudd. I was also kept laughing because my boyfriend kept calling Julianne Moore Julia Roberts, which I, we <laughs> which we know couldn't be more wrong. But to him, it's right. it's all the same. It's all the same. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And yeah. Then the uh, other, oh, the only other thing I wrote down about this movie was that one scene where when you know they're finally talking about her cheating. And then they open the door and they see the kids are standing right there and they heard the whole thing and they run off yeah. to their room. I am just so jealous because I don't have siblings and I just really feel like siblings get to do like that nosy stuff together and like hear, <laughs> hear parents arguing and finding out secrets. And it just like really reminded me that I wish I had siblings. I mean, my sister was a lot, she was seven years, she is seven years older than me. And when we were younger, she like would go through all of my parents' shit. She would find like my parents like sex toys. And then she would like come into my room and like throw them at me. <laughs> it's not that great. It's not that great. That, that happened in this movie. That happened. Like when the friend goes and finds the vibrator <laughs> and wiggles it in his face. Yeah, it, well, yeah, no, it, exactly. I think um, one of my favorite lines, though, when when Annette Benning, not the line, but like, uh, well, I think I know what the line was, but whenever she's like drunk and she's just had it with like having to constantly hear about Mark Ruffalo and then they're at dinner with their friends and she's just snaps and she's literally just like, do you know what we're doing now? She's like, we're composting. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I just can't fucking do this anymore. Hearing about organic milk and composting <laughs> oh, yeah. and garbage and she just like loses it and she just like walks away. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, girl. Because like, I mean, I love like, a scene. I, I love a scene. <laughs> I love a scene too, but like, I think I kind of understand it because like, I genuinely try to be as environmentally friendly as possible. I'm eating way less meat. I'm, I'm hardcore recycler. I'm like really trying to do my part as much as possible, but some people you're just like, shut the fuck up. Well, like you're just, yes. like, you and that, know? and you're so right. Like to me, that fight was more effective and more real feeling than all of the screaming marriage at home fights. Like, to me, yes. that, like, double date, weird tension the whole time, and then something snaps is, like, so much more fun to watch. And I don't know why, but I just like to feel that tension more than I like just them fully going mm -hmm. at each other. Mm -hmm. Well, she's flawed and insecure, and that's just what made her character so interesting. Yeah, and I actually didn't realize it was her that was up for the Oscar. I thought it was Julianne Moore. 
She would have been if if um, Jennifer Lawrence wasn't nominated. I have a feeling because she oh. was nominated for like everything else, like the I Golden see. Globe and the New York Film Critics Society, the National Board of Review and the BAFTA. So this was kind of like a little I think she was expecting it. But I just want to say, though, before we move on that um, whenever like at the end and they like drop her off at res. I like because when I went to Sheridan, I lived in res and like that moment sort of felt like very familiar to me. And like I was crying a lot at that scene because I because my, you know, my dad never cried. But like when he dropped me off at school, like he cried and it was just like that whole scene was like really, really intense for me and like a nice sort of ending and a nice happy moment. They get back together and they're going to work on their struggles. And it just yeah, it was I love this so movie. Sweet. That movie was that that moment was so sweet where they drop her off. And she's like, they're kind of trying to help her. And she's like, let me do it. Like, I can put my own sheets on. And then they go. And then she keeps kind of looking back at the door. Like, she obviously thinks they're, like, right there. And as a viewer, you kind of do, too. And then she goes and looks. And the hallway's empty. And then she goes out, like, tears in her eyes, stomping around campus. And finally, she sees the car. And she's like, oh, I thought you guys left. And they're like, we just had to move the car. You think we would leave? And that's when it really (laughs) got me. Because it was, like, it was just so sweet. And, yeah, it's like. They, they obviously spent their whole life together and then this mm. is the moment that they're no longer living together and like th- th- that togetherness is probably never going to happen again like it's such a moving moment mm-hmm. oh my god okay love this movie uh do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on um i had two other words that i wrote down that i liked from okay. this movie love it <laughs> Bougainvillea, which I think is just the name of a plant, um, and interloper. What is that? I've heard that word a lot recently, too, because I think of, I know that when you elope, it's when you, like, run away to get married, and you just, like, get married behind everyone's back. Uh, Yeah, so interloper, I have the definition up here, is a person who becomes involved in a place or situation where they are not wanted or are considered not to belong. So it's just someone that's, like, trying to get in somebody else's business, I suppose. Okay. I love that. I yeah. have never okay. Little, okay, it's a little vocab lesson for anybody listening. Well, that's the thing from this movie. Like, I would never do this with movies, but they're just kept being great words. So I had to had to keep track. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, so let us talk about our winner, Natalie Portman for Black Swan. So this was Natalie's second Academy Award nomination. Her first was for a supporting role for the movie Closer. And that was also a very hypersexualized role for her as well. Although not, I wouldn't necessarily describe this role as like hypersexualized, but it, there was of, like a lot of, of intense sex scenes. Yeah. Um. So basically, very simply put, this movie is about a woman who is a ballerina dancer who is doing um the uh, Swan Lake and basically trying to prevent herself from going descending into madness as she tries to come to find the Black Swan character. But as she does, she like literally goes crazy. Mm-hmm. This movie is very well done. It's a very entertaining movie. But the thing is, is I have a really, really intense like anxiety problem. And so every scene in this movie is intense, like from Mm -hmm. start to finish. It's like intense, intense, intense. And I, I really think I would agree with anybody when they said that they love this movie. I would agree that anybody if they said this was a great movie, I would also agree with that. I just 
don't like watching it because it's not that I necessarily find it triggering. It's just, I find it exhausting to Mm -hmm. watch and it's a really, really intense movie. I've seen this movie once and now I've seen it twice. And frankly, I think once was enough for me. (laughs) Yeah. And I, yeah, I totally hear you. I I would definitely say that anybody with any kind of anxiety would not enjoy this movie. My boyfriend, this is the one that he wouldn't watch with me because he doesn't like Mm -hmm. movies where people go insane. That's the thing that's Mm -hmm. very triggering for him. But I've mm-hmm. seen this movie quite a few times. I rewatched it sort of passively this week because I have seen it so many times. And really? I, okay. I love it. I loved it when it came out. I've seen it maybe five times just on my own accord. To me, it's like my favorite kind of movie is a thriller. I love Natalie mm-hmm. Portman. I love, mm-hmm. I, you know, as I said before, I love a main character that's obsessed. And I think that she, out of every, all of these movies, she was the most obsessed. Um, if, Agreed. you know, if nothing else, she was obsessed. She fucking loves ballet. She's willing to be a weird adult woman living in her mom's apartment so that she can mm-hmm. continue doing her ballet dream. And mm-hmm. she's like so soft-spoken at the beginning and then really transforms everything away from her. And I... Like, I'm, you know, myself not a good actor. <laughs> and so sometimes I'll see a role if I have an audition or something that's a, and it says, like, you know, soft-spoken or this or that, and I'll kind of try to do that. And it always just feels so wrong. And I know how Natalie Portman talks normally. She's quite a confident speaker. And seeing mm-hmm. her speak in that kind of, like, mousy, soft, like, extreme introvert, like, timid way at the beginning – I just, Mm -hmm. I totally forgot how she normally speaks. Like, it just felt so natural and so uncomfortable. Like, it just, I I thought that she just did such an incredible job. And I loved the weird relationship with her mom. Loved the weird relationship with Mila Kunis and, you know, and the director. Like, oh, my God, and Winona Ryder. I thought, I wonder, did did she get nominated for anything from this role? No, but she should have been for stabbing herself in the face a bunch of times with a nail file. I know, I know. Very, very crazy moment. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I mean, listen, I I fully get it. Like, I fully, fully get it. I fully agree, like, with everything that you um, are saying. I think one of my favorite scenes is whenever she finds out that she's Swan Queen and she calls her mom in the stall mm-hmm. and she's crying because, I mean, I know that, like, you and I, we work in a gig economy and whenever you get those big moments, it's like you want to call, like, your loved one. And yeah. when you do, it's like... You don't necessarily cry, but I mean, sometimes you do cry, and sometimes it's literally you totally just... cry. Yeah, and even yeah. even even that that moment is so good too because she also says "mommy." She calls her and she says, "I got it, mommy," and it just like right. it just really shows that like infantile side of her that she's totally just like a child still. And that moment like is honestly yes. the most the most that that um, relationship is really spoon fed to you as an audience member is when she says that. Absolutely. At, when, when I will say, though, when she comes out of the stall and then it says horror on the bathroom mirror, yes. I thought it was like one of the eliminated drag queens from Drag Race that wrote that <laughs> and they're bitter. That's so they, funny. Like, didn't get the role. I actually just <laughs> saw the video um, of Natalie Portman is the one who wrote that on the mirror, like during production. And there's oh, a, really? there's oh, a yeah, clip sure. of, her, of her writing it. And I think that's kind of nice to give, you know, if she's the one that she's being called a whore in that way. I think it's nice to let her um, do the font. 
Absolutely. And you're right. She did definitely have like a childlike innocence to her throughout the entire movie that as she slowly descends into madness, you do see the transformation and it is a slow, subtle transformation. You can tell that she paced herself properly and like brought each sort of level of intensity that she needed to to every single scene. She also for this role, she trained as a dancer for years before the movie mm-hmm. was even greenlit because she knew that she wanted to do it justice. She lost 20 pounds uh, for the role. And fun little fact about this movie at the beginning when Barbara Hershey, her mother, gives her the grapefruit and soft boiled egg. It's actually a callback to um, Requiem for a Dream. Ellen Burstyn's character was eating that in Requiem for a Dream because it's the same director. Oh, that's that's really interesting. I love that movie as well. Yeah. Oh, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's the director. Yeah. Um, well, he tried to he but he tried to pit um, to make the movie more realistic. Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman against each other. Um, so he would send text messages to, to each of them, but it would make it seem like it was coming from Mila Kunis to like Natalie Portman, for example. And it would just be like saying rude things about their performance that day. But it backfired because Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis were like actually legit friends before they started filming. <laughs> So it didn't work. She, they were like, "What? Like, why would That's you know so Mila Kunis send this to me?" Directors seem so shady, like pitting all these actors against yes. each other, causing problems. Directors really seem psychological like, torture. Yeah, directors yeah. seem like the really the real fucked up individuals in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I the other thing I I found um just about her being so childlike was the way they designed her bedroom. I thought was really interesting. And mm-hmm. I wonder stuffed if stuffed animals in pink, stuffed animals in pink stuff. But it wasn't like sickly sweet, like like it wasn't fully adult. That's still a child. Like it wasn't fully um, like mentally delayed in childhood level. Like it was still sort of womanly in some ways. And I thought that that mm-hmm. balance was really good. I actually was gonna check and see if the set design got nominated for this movie because of. They had so many bigger sets, obviously, but I thought that that bedroom and that the whole apartment was so beautifully put together, like how it's obviously a really small apartment, but they dedicated a whole room to being like the ballet room with just mm-hmm. like the mirrors up too. And yeah, the, there's only a couple moments where the mom really speaks to her like she's a child and it's mm-hmm. re- and it's a really subtle change as it escalates into Natalie Portman fighting back against it. Like at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, when she gets her that um, cake to celebrate and then Natalie Portman's like not hungry, doesn't want to eat it. I don't learn any of the characters' names, by the way. I always refer to them as their full actor. Neither do I. I'm so <laughs> bad at remembering that stuff. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So, oh yeah, Nina. Nina's her. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and mm-hmm. the mom the mom does that kind of... It, it seems like to get nominated for an Oscar, you just need a parent with anger issues and you need to show your nipples <laughs> at some point. And I just have like a long, sad movie with an angry parent and some some nipples. That and seems and like the formula. there was there was also a lot of like going down on people with the Donald ducking, the Donald yeah. ducking fucking. There was a lot of that in a lot of these movies. But just um, but maybe I, that's just personal preference. But I would prefer to be gone down on with a shirt on for some reason. It just is like <laughs> it just feels like more appropriate. 
Fair enough. I think, though, um, that, like, the most unrealistic part of the movie was just, like, all of the straight male dance choreographers. I was like, mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, I don't think so. Uh, th- this is a psychological thriller. It, you know, this whole thing, it, it it doesn't really make any sense, but it's not supposed to make any sense because you are also, as an audience member, supposed to feel crazy watching it, yes. which is really well done. I think that the director did a great job doing that. Um, and I think there's a lot of, like, like I said before, the movie's really, really intense. I think Natalie Portman nailed every single scene. Like every scene was flawless. I think that this is one of her, if not her best performance, like of all time. She's yeah. so, so great in this movie. I think that um, one of my also kind of favorite movies is when movies, one moments is when she realizes that she didn't kill Mila Kunis. And then she realizes mm-hmm. that she was the one that stabbed herself and she pulls out the shard and she's horrified. And then it's all coming into her and she's like, Oh my God, it was me the whole time. And um, yeah. I re- I thought that was also like, it's just, I don't really think there was one scene in this movie where she didn't nail it. You know, there wasn't necessarily one scene. It was just flawless. Absolutely. And, and that, that, that big, um, not escalation, that big, just that peak at the top where you feel like on, on one of the breaks in between dances, she goes into the change room, things escalate. She kills Mila Kunis. She goes back out to dance and you're like, holy shit. Like this girl is like fully just an evil ballerina now. And then she goes back into the room. The body's gone or the blood is gone. Like something's missing. And then it's like sort of weird, but you're like, oh, I, I, like, yeah, you feel crazy. And then Mila Kunis opens the door and it's like, you are amazing. You blew me away. Like, and it's so nice. And you're just like, mm-hmm. I, I've, you, you, yeah, you, you just question your, your own sanity. And <laughs> it is, a, it is just so effective. And like, I, yeah, I don't know how they how they put it together. So, and it's obviously written by somebody who's a huge fan of Swan Lake because there's it, it's just like, that's true. Yeah, yeah, there's like, a whole movie around it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I suppose yeah, they might have heard of it <laughs> if they wrote a movie about it. But I don't know. It's just to me, it was it's just a masterpiece of a movie in general. It is. It's regarded as like one of the greatest films of all time. I think the nastiest part, though, of this movie, and I always think about this when I think about the movie and I just like want to vomit everywhere, is when she rips the skin on her finger back. Yes, and it, and it comes in like a long line. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Good. No. no good. Um, OK, well, do you have anything else that you would like to add about this movie before we select our winner? I don't believe so. Okay, well, you, Sophie Bottle, are my guest. So if you will do the honors of revealing who you think that the Oscar should have gone to first. So I think the Oscar should have gone to... (laughs) Natalie Portman, obviously. Like, to me, it's one of the best movies (laughs) ever made. I think she, she did so well. It was obviously, like... The it, it I mean it was a huge budget thriller ballerina she's evil you're insane like I can't think of a there's like weird lesbian dreams like like to mm-hmm. me the movie itself is just such a masterpiece she did it so well I can't even imagine any other actor doing it which I think is really the the sign of a of a incredible performance because you know everybody's there's just so many actors considered for every role. And usually you could kind of picture if somebody else had done it. And I can't really can't picture anybody else doing this role. Mm, that's a really good way of putting it. I, I would agree with that. Okay. Okay, great. Think? Thank Who you. Who do you think okay. won? Okay, so I think that the Oscar should have gone to... 
Annette Benning for The Kids Are All Right. Listen, I what? am happy that Natalie Portman has an Oscar. <laughs> I think that she deserved that Oscar. I think it makes perfect sense that she voted that have that Oscar. But for my personal choice, it's going to be Annette Benning. I could watch Annette Benning play a lesbian, oh my God, so many times because I watch so many straight actors play yeah. gay people and they always just do either, frankly, an offensive impression or like a straight guy playing and then they just happen to make out with a dude at one point and you're like, great, like let's just throw Oscars at them. But Annette, Annette Benning, um, I know women exactly like that. Mm. I thought that she was flawed. Like you said at the beginning, she kind of seemed like a bit of the villain. And then in the end, you kind of see that she's kind of a bit of the victim. You can see that she is really just sort of like the mama bear that is trying to protect yeah. um, her family and, and trying to ward off any outside threat. Um, she has so many layers to her character. She admits whenever she's wrong. I love that she had like a, like a stained red teeth, red wine <laughs> drinking problem. Yes, uh, yes. I, I just, it felt so real to me because yeah. I've seen her in so many other movies mm -hmm. that seeing her in this was like, whoa. Yeah. And um, I think that she, for me, was the only actor in this group of nominees that transformed themselves because everybody else was playing a character. And I feel like she became like a different person. And it was just like, wow. So yeah. for me personally, it's Annette Benning. Yeah, she did absolutely feel the most real and well-rounded and deep as a character. Mm-hmm. But I totally, I mean, I totally uh, respect Natalie her. Portman. Yeah. Yeah. But Natalie Portman winning also makes perfect sense to me because, it, frankly, yes, she should have that Oscar. She deserved that Oscar. But just my personal choice would be Annette Benning. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This was so much fun. Um, Sophie Butta, where can people find you on social media? Well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really had a blast. Like, I think I, t I totally think this is such a good idea for a podcast. It, it was so much fun. Um, Thank so you. yeah, on, on social media, I'm just at Sophie Buttle on Twitter and I'm Sophbuds on Instagram. Um, but thanks, Excellent. thanks so much for having me on. It was really so much fun. Well, thank you for being here. Well, we'll got to definitely need to have you back and yes. we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.